Welcome to the second season of We Only Talk Hockey. We've been off for a while, watching a lot of stuff going on. Uh, we're going to, this episode is going to be kind of like a catch up for the season so far. We're essentially at the halfway point. So we're going to start with the awards. I think we'll start with one that we're pretty much in agreement on in the Yeah, we agree. It's unanimous. I think yeah. it's, if there's one award that's going to be, uni- last year was the heart. This year, if there's going to be one un- award that's unanimous, uh, it's got to be the Norris. Uh, yeah, you with, take it away. Yeah, with you Cole take- McCarr, Kale McCarr K- out in uh, Colorado. He's been playing phenomenally. I haven't really heard anyone else mentioned in the conversation so far this year, which is interesting because normally, yeah. at least by halfway, I think people are like, yeah, maybe Fox or maybe, you know, but in I, th- New I think York, it's fair to say there are some defensemen having good, very good seasons, but Kale McCarr, yeah, it's, it's, he's playing a, he's playing his offensive numbers, which if you want to follow numbers are, are basically comparable to forward numbers, but he's playing as a defense and he, his skill set offensively are for skill sets, but he plays, he's playing 23, 20 minutes of ice time per game. Something crazy. He's playing. Yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible what he's doing. Uh, and partially why the avalanche have been, have continued their dominance in the NHL. He is second on their team with 16 goals behind Miko Ratnan at 20. Yeah. And in assists, in assists, he's a little further down the list at 21. Mm -hmm. Nazem Kadri's Mm -hmm. having an incredible year with assists. 30. Like, five. He's got 35 yeah. assists already. But yeah, so he overall on the team, he's fourth because his assists are a bit lower than uh, the McKinnon and Ratnan. Um, But yeah, so I, I think most people are in agreement as of right now, unless he gets injured or he takes a big step back the rest of the way. I, I think he's yeah. kind of has this locked up. And I think it's, I think also just to, uh, one more note, because we agree on him winning the Norris is aside from the numbers, the way he plays the point and the way he kind of plays that center, it very much, it, it reminds me of like when players transcend a position where people are like oh it's just another guy at the point it's kind of like uh when people in other sports in football where people are like lawrence taylor oh he's an outside linebacker let's block him with tight anyway basically Kale McCarr, it's like oh another defenseman at the point no this is not your typical defenseman this guy this guy can create from the point by himself this guy can like uh opens up the offense more effectively they'll oftentimes they'll put an extra they can put an extra forward or they could put on another defenseman who may not even be so productive offensively it's just all, all the ways he impacts that team uh, from the point in every aspect of the game is just yeah, he's, he's he's he won the he's got the award right. Yeah. Now. You, one last note before we move on to the Hart Trophy. You you mentioned that his numbers are essentially forward. They're better than that. The middle six forward, so second or third line. Generally, if they get 20, 20 plus goals, it's considered a very good year. You know, that's a that's a middle six line two or yeah. three. Generally, twenty goals. He already has sixteen in the first half of the season. There's a very good chance I mean, he ends the season over thirty. So even better, yeah. How many teams not have a sixteen goal score? Score. I mean, granted, go, granted, it, that's kind of that's kind of something that I haven't really thought, thought much about. But like, because also some teams have played a significantly fewer games. But he has, yeah, he's outscoring some of the team's top scorers. I granted, some teams also play more defensive style game. But yeah, it's it's really it, and and then you include the defensive play. Maybe maybe if you want to say like complete defenseman, uh, there are some parts of his defensive game that you'd say like, oh, he's not as good as uh, some of the other defensemen in the league. But he's but still, I, I still think he's I still. Phenomenal yeah. on defense, especially and especially the way he's able to retreat on the odd man. When 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 the Avalanche created yeah. turnover, his speed just take um just compensates for so much. The Avalanche, yeah, it's it, he he is by far the best. Uh, I mean, Defender he's having the best right now. Yeah. defenseman. Yeah, this season. So, so yeah, I guess let's move on to the heart, right? Uh, yeah. This one, so this who's one's your who's your current favorite to win the heart? I wish I could give McDavid the award every year just because a lifetime achievement award, but he's not <laughs> having it, it, it's 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 weird. I, I I'm not going to 
say that because even though, yeah, he is the best player in the world and granted, we should just put, we could put him in the Hall of Fame. It, he would need to have another record setting season, just like last season. We were like having this debate, like I, not really, we were, I don't know if we were, but the hockey. He broke a hundred points. World is basically saying we could only give him. Yeah, he broke a hundred points. If he breaks, yeah, he broke a hundred points in a 56 game season. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and we had, and they, and they had to give him the award. So there are a few people. I, I think, I think one of them comes to mind is Austin Matthews having um last year people thought oh he had that he was leading the league in goals maybe give it to him uh last year and he kind of uh, unanimously lost it to McDavid so maybe there's this idea of let's give it to him this year uh, I, I don't think I don't think that's going to come into play I don't think a yeah, he, un- he's, unless he's, he's close season. unless he's real close at the top of the yeah. points list I don't think that's a factor most people will consider um it is interesting I mean I'm trying to think of other players Na- this was supposed to be this is interesting this was supposed to be Nathan McKinnon's year yeah but he, but fell, he started he, he, well, yeah, that's, he started slow. He started off hurt. Well, he missed yeah. the first couple games hurt, and then it took him a while to come back. So he's slow. I think he's number five on the team in goals. His assists yeah. are right up there, but he he started off a bit slow scoring. Personally, my pick right now for a couple reasons I'll get into is Alex Ovechkin. He is on a I pace probably for will 30. lean the same way. By the way, I'll probably lean yeah. Ovechkin at this point just because nobody's really taken it from yeah. at this. He, at the he is season. he is on a pace to do something no one's ever done at the age of thirty six. Uh, to hit 50 goals. He's on pace to uh, go over 100 points at 36 years uh, 36 years old. Um, his assists are up. He's not, and he's not unlike where I see some somewhat Dreisaitl and McDavid rely on the power play because there's the both of them, where you can see several games where if their power play goes into a dry spell, where you can see them not get many points for a three or four game span because of the fact that they especially feed off each other in the power play because there's the two of them there, both David and Dreisaitl. Um, like half of Dreisaitl's goals come on the power play. The Capitals, on the other hand, their power play, which everyone always was like, oh, Ovechkin, it's the power play, it's whatever. Ovechkin might have like, I think seven power play goals, but yeah, the, cap- the Capitals' power, but their play power play has oddly been, not been good this year. Yeah, it's been not abysmal and he is still having a phenomenal yeah. statistical season. He has, he has, there have been games, literal games where the team can't do squat except for him. <laughs> Their team yeah. has been more hurt than I've seen a, ca- a Caps team, more hurt, more COVID than I've seen a Caps team in years. So yeah, I, yeah. I I think if things stay the way they are now, and if he, even if he doesn't, he's currently at number one in points. Even if he ends up at third behind Dreisaitl and McDavid, but it's close. Like if it's not close, then the discussion's over. But if it's close within a handful of points even, I think he gets it because I think they cannibalize yeah. each other's votes. I think the context of it matters. When voters look at it and they look at context, it matters. And the point is the most valuable to your team. So if their team is still struggling with injury, COVID, everything, their power play is not doing well, and he's still trucking them along and they end up in the top three of their division while Edmonton doesn't, then I, I, mean, I think there's an aspect to that there, of Yeah, there is going to be a valuable. little bit of, there's, there is always that idea of have to be on a good team of course, sure. very good team that is. And the, uh, the other only other team that really comes to mind is that I could say maybe can have a player like that is, I mean, there are two. There are the Panthers and the Hurricanes, who are both very good in the East also, but I don't see, do you really see any player particularly as the heart winner on either of those teams. As, I, guess, I guess that's a question, because I, I I I was thinking maybe before the season, Sebastian Ajo takes a big leap, but has he really, I mean, he's no. having a good season, but is he having think, that good a season? Um, Huberdo? Huberdo. Jonathan Huberdo? Jonathan Huberdo, maybe, if his insane pace keeps up, um, you know, you've got him, he's a, he's tied with McDavid right now in third uh, with 53 points, so if he keeps up 
and they, you know, that's very possible. But that's the other thing. Their team has been, I think, really solid. Um, from what I They're know, scoring four point oh two goals per yeah. game. So yeah. it's also hard, and that it's also something that's very important to consider is some of these teams. They'll have you'll have a player with a lot of points. Or you'll have a player with uh, uh, um, great numbers offensively. Their if your team is scoring four goals per game, similar with the Avalanche that we mentioned before, Kale McCarr. Some of these players are going to just naturally, uh, if you're on a good shift or you're on those uh, good offensive units, you're going to have those points. And, and that's to- kind of another reason. That's one of the reasons when I said context of Ovechkin this year yeah. is that team Backstrom was out the first 20 odd game. Oshie has missed large chunks of the season. Kuznetsov's been out a couple times. Carlson's now out. Half their defense has been in and out of the lineup. There was a point in the season where they had three out of their starting 12 forwards. Like they, they, they're, they, it's been, it's been a rocky season for a lot of teams, but yeah, like they're, 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 they haven't had the Panthers. And then to the Panthers point, they haven't had those issues of this guy's been out for a significant amount of time. They've had that group together, that forward unit together pretty much all season. Yes. Yeah. So, and I think context is going to matter here. I think people look at, at, he didn't have Backstrom. Oh, still did this. He didn't have, oh, she wasn't there. Okay. Kuznetsov is having a rebound year, but you know, so I I think there'll be a lot again. There's still half a season to play, but if things stay where they are, I I think he gets it. And I think that'll be a huge achievement for him, especially if they can get it, uh, do well in the playoffs. I think also the big thing is the count, the score, the goal count with him and Gretzky is how, how much he closes the gap and to say, he'll probably, he'll beat Yager this year. There's no reason to think he won't beat Yager in this season. He's got, uh, nine or 10 goals left beat Yager. Um, uh, yeah, he's at like 55 or 56 and Yager is at 65 or 66. So he's got like 10 to beat him. I, there's no reason I would think that he has 27 goals in the first half of the season and then doesn't score 10 in the back half. So I think he can crack the, and if he does, once again, I think last year we did a number calculation of yes, average over the next five years over this contract that he signed prior to this year, 33 goals. That doesn't mean each season needs to be 33, but 50 this year, 45, 30, 20, even if it declines over the course of this contract, if he starts out with a 50 here, it drastically changes the view on that number. This also, it's very also, this also is important for voters is this could be his last chance really to have this MVP count. Not, I mean, it doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon, but But yes, to have this statistical, yeah, yeah. I, I think at some point there will be a regression in the goal numbers. It's just going to happen. The question is when? Is it next year, the year following? But I do think this is the prime year for him to yeah. take it. I think the circumstances he's dealt with boost him rather than pull him down. It's not like they'd have the number one power play. It's not. There are so many things I think contributing to this that if he stays on this pace, um, he, he has it. And I think that'll be great for him and for it, the team. So, Vesna Trophy. This uh, one's tough. Yeah. I mean, who's I, your, there for are, a while, there was one guy. For a while, there was one guy yeah. in my head. Okay. And then it changed for one of the, probably one of the, the people first... in my mind. I don't know who your person is yet, but one of the people in my mind just had two bad nights in a row. So one of the guy who was in my head for the first probably 25 games of the season was Frederick Anderson. I thought he was running away with the competition. Okay. And then in like the last 10 games, he's come down to earth a little bit. You know, uh, he, he was far and away in every goal statistical category. He was he, obviously you knew there was going to be a regression to the mean because the numbers were insane. For like 20 games, he had a goals against average of under uh, under one, I believe. It, it was crazy. It was under two, under two at least for a while. He had yeah. A under. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's also, it's also, yeah, Frederick Anderson was one of the people on my mind. Uh, One of the t- one of the difficult things with uh, the Vesna Trophy is always separating the goalie from the defense. And that's a, from the defensive 
offensive unit. And uh, that's Frederick Anderson for, for me. Uh, he's having still, a great season. Yeah, he's still under two goals uh, against. He, he te- the okay, season. yeah, I would say he technically is number one. He's ranked number two because Charlie Lindgren is at 1.23, but he's only played five <laughs> games. So, yeah. but honestly, though, over the last probably three weeks, month, my mind has shifted more to Igor Shosturkin. I hear that. I, I, I'm, there's yes and no on Shosturkin. I think this is, he's having that year and he's, and this could be his, his year that he wins it. I, before the season, I was thinking Shosturkin's, this is Shosturkin's potential year to have it. He's in his se- only second year, right? Uh, no, he started in the 2019. This is his third season. If you want to say like, it, it's, it's one of those weird situations where I think he started like fewer than a hundred games, but it's in his third season. So it's kind right. of, yeah, he played because, 12 games. He played 12 games in 2019, 20 and went 10 and two last year. He played 35 games and went, or he started 31 games and went 16 and 14 and three. So this year he's 18 and four, 23 games so far. So well, also his, his, his numbers of save percentage and goals against average. And then you account, I think the big thing with uh, Shesterkin is the volume, which is interesting because I think he's actually taken on more starts than people would think. People think, oh, him and Georgiev, well, Georgiev. Yeah, he's taken started. 20, he's taken 23 starts out of, uh, he's taken 23 starts out of total, I think they have four right now. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's taken more than half the starts. I mean, if to be fair, I guess to compare that to um, some of the other Vesna well, candidates. Anderson's start, only, like, Anderson's only played 26. Yeah. I, I mean, the only other, the only two then that have taken a vol, like a, a large volume are Jack Campbell, Andre Vasilevsky. Those are the two that like have started, have started basically, I mean, they start basically every game for their yeah. team. Yeah. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky has played 32 games, 23, 6, and 3. Uh, and then his, Frederick and then Anderson, his Frederick Anderson and has played 26 and is 20 and 6. Here's one thing I want to really point out that I think is huge for Sisterkin, though, is his save percentage. Now, technically, he's sandwiched in between the two St. Louis goalies of Charlie Lindgren at 958 and uh, Vile Husso at 9, uh, 933. So the two backups, basically. Yeah, well, Husso's played over 10 games. He's played 10 games. Yeah. Um, he, he's more of a reliable backup this season. Last yeah. season was like, so, that was bad. So essentially, Susterkin has a better save percentage than Anderson. He's barely uh, lower than him in goals against average. I don't know. It's a toss-up right now, but there's just something, even though Anderson's numbers are still up there, right? Yeah. There's just something about how I knew there was going to be a regression from his amazing start. I think he started the year with two straight, two or three straight shutout, like one goal games or shutouts or whatever. It was insane. You're talking about Frederick Anderson, Frederick right? Anderson. And so obviously yeah. there was going to be a regression, but there's just something about it that feels off to me and makes me feel, you know, Igor Shesterkin. But to be honest, what it might come down to is who wins the division. If the Rangers win the division, you probably see yeah. Igor Shesterkin get it. If the Carolina well, wins the division, you probably see Anderson. Well, in the Atlantic, uh, this is what I'm wondering is in the Atlantic, why not? Cam- I thought Campbell is having a Vesna season, Jack Campbell, until the recent stretch where he's kind of unraveled a bit, allowed five goals. I think five goals or more in each of the last two starts he's had. He's had a very, like surprisingly very good season. That, that I think is part Vesna of it caliber. is, I think part of it is like you mentioned earlier, the team's uh, goal average. You're talking about like the team defense. No, no, no. The fact that they are scoring at such a high pace, it can cover up for things. Even if it's statistically not covering up things, it can, ch- it changes the way games go. If your team is scoring four goals on average, the opposing team is going to play more recklessly to have to match that. And they're going to, it 
it's going to be, and you see that sometimes, and you very rarely see the goalie win the Vesna on a team that is scoring that high of a uh, goals per game because people view it more as a whole team thing versus a goalie thing, unless their numbers are far and away the best. I mean, yeah, I, it's just it's just interesting because you think of some teams that yeah they they score a lot of goals and they allow a lot. I mean, uh, that, that's kind of how just how the style of play that they play with. Uh, I mean, yeah, t- Toronto has a great offense too. So I mean, they're great. They're just, they are a very good um, overall team, regular season at least for that matter. Uh, and then I guess you could say that you'd say the same about Tampa too, like Tampa as well. Yeah, and but, so one of the reasons though that I think we need to caution on the uh, on uh, Igor Shesterkin, and it's something I've no- I noticed when I was looking through stats or things, is Anderson's played 26 games, but his team has only played 36. Shesterkin has played 23 games, but his game team has played four. So um, this kind of leads into the next discussion, but we'll get there in a minute, is I think Carolina quite possibly could win the President's Trophy. And if they do, because um, right now they're not in the lead. Right now, Tampa Bay is in the lead in the league with 59 points, but they're at 54 points with five games on them. So they're down, they're behind by five points with five games in hand. So I I think if they win the Vesna Trophy, I think the Vesna Trophy could go to Anderson if they win that division, the Metropolitan, and even more so if they win the President. I guess I guess that is that is a good point in the sense that I mean they a lot of voters try to take away the player. I mean they they try to say separate what is the player it doing. Yeah, it, it would be interesting to see if the if the Hurricanes were to win the president. We'll get into that discussion soon. But a team like the Hurricanes win the president's trophy and then not have a Norris winner, not have a Hart winner, not have a Vesna winner. Uh, if that really uh can happen. I mean, kind of. I guess the Avalanche last season, kind of, but they didn't have any. They had a lot of people in the nominee in, in the yeah. The they were they that. were close. It's not like yeah. that's the thing. I, I definitely think Anderson will be a nominee. I, I don't see any of them out. And this is another thing. Who else on their team? You don't see anyone on their team that's going to be a Norris candidate, do you? I don't. Aho maybe as a maybe as a Sebastian Aho as a heart, as- maybe a Calder, maybe a two way forward uh, kind of thing, but not really. Like that's the thing. Oh, you're saying Selkie? You mean like uh, Selkie? Defensive. That's what I meant. Okay, that's what I meant. Calder's rookie of the year. I know. Uh, I know. Yeah. Not I was like, I was confused because Aho's no. been in the league. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. I'll, that's not what I meant. I meant Selkie. Maybe, but like, you're not going to have a major award even being discussed about the other guys unless they have phenomenal back hats. So yeah. they're all playing well. The whole team is playing well, but no one is playing out of their mind outside of Frederick Anderson. And I think, I think with the Hurricanes though, to, uh, to be fair, their defensive unit is probably playing like one of the best, if not yeah. the best in the NHL. Overall, yes. But overall, mm-hmm. that's what I said. Their whole team is playing really well overall, but there's not really a singular player you would say, oh, is up or the Norris or the Hart or, you, you know, kind of thing. And that's where but, I think if it was everyone was, if it was Ajo's being talked about for the Hart and one of their defensemen is being talked about for the Norris and the, and the Vesna, then I would see it not happen for the Vesna. But because I don't see them in those other conversations, I think he probably would win the Vesna. But I mean, then on that on that note, do you think if the Rangers finish with the best uh, record and Fox is in the conversation for the North? I mean, granted, Makar's leaps and bounds <laughs> for first, but, but he would be if Fox is a finalist. Yeah, if he's a final, does that does that then hurt Shesterkin? That's a good. Uh, that's kind of something to think about because a lot of people I've actually I think seen people. It can. That's my thing. I think it can, especially if you have a Norris tro- Norris finalist. If you have a Norris finalist on your hand, I think it's much harder to win the Vesna. So who won the Norris last year? Well, Fox won the Norris last. Year. Fox won the Norris last. Who won the uh, Vesna? Vesna, right? Well, no, no it was Flurry. Sorry, my bad. It was Flurry, <laughs> rightfully so. But who 
was else in that conversation? It was uh, Vasilevsky well, was essentially and, the other one in that conversation. And then Philip Grubauer was the third, but he was kind of, it was obviously yeah, third. Yeah. yeah, he was He was, He was. was an obvious third. Um, Because I remember we had multiple conversations between Lurie and Vasilevsky last year. I chose Vasilevsky for the same reason I'm thinking uh, po- quite possibly Anderson, is their team is going to end up so high in the league leaderboards, but you're not going to point at anyone else on the team and say, well, they're all, their defenseman is this great. They're, they've got this great of a forward that the other teams need to worry about kind of thing. So like, so in the sense that, it, that they have to give an award basically to someone on one of the, it, on that team. Not even that they have to give an award. It's they are, if they're, they're looking in the same. If there's I, one I, I, guy on a team, if there's one guy on a team that you think is uh, worthy of the award of an award, but no one else on the team is worthy of a, even discussion of the, another award. And yet they're the president's trophy winner. That to me Someone has to get credit the for their team. Basically. Yes, yes. You have to give and, one player that. I, and I think that credit goes to the one guy you would be talking about. If you're talking about Anderson, the credit goes to them. If you're talking, you, you yeah. know, kind of thing. It really does speak volumes though, to, uh, to the unusual, like not unusual, but just like the way the team is built. So that you sense that you can't point to one person saying like, that's the reason he's the reason why that skater's the reason why, or that defenseman. I mean, you could say Frederick Anderson is having that kind of season. So, I mean, th- th- to that point, he, he would be that guy. I mean, I guess before, before we move on, uh, one person that I've thought about, uh, cause you mentioned teams with offense, you mentioned teams, uh, that have a good offense. What do you, where do you think you say Soros is in this conversation? Cause the offense is not good. It, it's scoring 3.06. I haven't looked it up really. It's pretty good. You say Soros or their offensive score for Nashville, uh, oh, the predators, right. their offensive scoring around 3.02 or 3.06. It's like a pretty it's good. Above, that's above, it's average. above league average. It's that's above, above league average, average. But, but it's not overwhelming. I think leave as in three, I think leave three is, average is like two seven. No, it, it might be two eight two nine. But like I, the Mendoza line, if you want to call it that, for hockey is three for both ends. But the, their offense is not really that good. It is. It, it's picked up recently with uh, Tanner Tanner Janot and uh, uh, getting on a goal streak, whatever. Uh, when they when they were winning their games. But if the Predators, I guess, really is it? Be, would it be because they don't finish near the top of the central? If they don't finish near the top of the central, or I think it's saying, I their think defense it might be is more good about offense because um, their defense is good, but not great per se. And then you say Soros having a very good seat, so just yeah. top it off. I, I think it season. will. I think there's a very good chance it'll be about offense. Yes. So what I mean by that is right now they are sliding. They have been a very hot and cold team this year. It, essentially, they they've been a hot and cold team on and off, going up and down in the division ranking. Um, and so that that's the thing. They they've been going up and down in the division rankings. Um, and I think there's a chance they end up the wild card. Right now they're sitting at three in the central. I think Minnesota, who is very close behind them, but has like Leaps six, ahead. but has like six games in hand. I I think Minnesota is going to catch up. Like they they are four points behind with six games in hand. I do not see them not catching up. You know what I'm saying? So Proje- projecting Nashville like out four. for the season, you'd say you'd they're say four, four in and their then- division, unless Winnipeg. But if Winnipeg gets their act together, but after Ehlers injury, we don't know how serious that is. Um, yeah. So yeah. Also, Winnipeg. Winnipeg's got a lot of underlying issues. Issues yeah. that which is really... funny after such a great year last year, they have almost completely fallen apart. But we'll get into well, those I mean, yeah. in a minute. I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There in Nashville. Nashville's projection basically probably really four. And I guess. And I guess projecting forward is really what I guess our next conversation about. Who do you project to be the President's Trophy? I think you've alluded to it. Yeah. But just to. I, but just I think to it's yeah. It just in. to put in the number. It's it's yeah. it's Carolina. Uh, I think the last couple of years. Here's my thing. They've they shocked building, everyone. They've been yeah. building this team. They shocked everyone that one year. 
year. They they were horrid for the first quarter of the year. They shocked everyone, got into the playoffs, and they played really well. Um, they eventually got beat, and they when they they went from an abysmal team to the playoffs in one year when they started having fun. That was the big thing of their catalyst year was having fun, <laughs> celebrating the after uh, storm winning. surge, bunch yes. of jerks sort of year. Yes. <sighs> then they built wow. with Sebastian Ajo and Svechnikov. That felt like that felt like ten. That felt like ten years ago. <laughs> it was not. It was three. It was. I know, three but I'm saying like <laughs> the way the way like 2019. Let's like, like the Blues won the cup in 2019, but that but feels, it feels so, so long because of COVID. <laughs> so, it has dragged stuff out. So yeah, that year they shocked. That everyone. was the fun year, and then they, everyone uh, and then they came back, and everyone was like, they came back, and everyone was like, oh, so you're gonna win it this year? I personally was like, no. They still have a long way to go. It was the same way I felt about the Islanders. I think the Islanders yeah. are a year behind where Carolina is. Everyone Islanders had a big push. They got into the bubble, and then and then last year they're talking were about the Islanders, right? Not the Islanders. You're, you're, the Hurricanes. Yeah. The rain. So I wait, think the okay, Rangers. Wait, sorry, mentioned, I think, you mentioned three teams. Sorry. Okay. I didn't mean to say the Islanders. I think Carolina's going to win. I'm. What I'm saying is, I think their second year. I think the Rangers are a year behind Carolina. The New York Rangers are a year behind Carolina in the same way. They had down years. They had the one big push, and everyone was like, "Oh, you're going to do so much better." And then they had Rangers more so had a down year. I think they've been building this, and I think the biggest the Rangers in 2020 21. You're saying yeah, like the past season, yeah, they, that, yeah, and the, yeah. To be fair, that's why they overhauled a lot everything of their because roster. it was disappointing. But yeah. so I think Carolina has been building this, and I think the biggest key. Um, and people are going to laugh at some of this, but Dougie Hamilton, Dougie Hamilton. I was move, thinking like the, the Dougie the Hamilton they let, move. They let him move, and then they let him leave, and people were like, "How are you going to replace him?" And then they like Ian Cole came in. Yeah. They brought in Ian Cole. They brought in Anthony D'Angelo. People, they brought in Ethan Bear. And all of a sudden, your defense like, is re- yeah. revamped. That was their biggest issue: is they could be taken advantage of on defense. They completely revamped it, and everyone was like, "Oh my God, yeah. what are you doing? You're insane!" And then we come in this season, and they don't have any huge stars on defense, but they play phenomenally as a unit. I think, I think as top e- to bottom as a unit. Even better. I don't think our last episode uh, got this because it was so late in the off season. The move that put them over the top is just low key adding just Barry Kotkaniemi to their mi- middle lines, just that not the second line, not the top line, but just adding a young raw defenseman who has shown his ceiling in Montreal. And now he's just in their off. And the fact, I mean, the fact that they in the off season, they had, they they let go of a lot of star, a lot of, I guess you could say star players or big contributors. Big names. Big, yeah. yeah. They've re, they've revamped that team with like signings that we didn't notice at the time. All of a sudden you're like, oh, this is a contending team that has a lot of star, that has a lot of key contributors. In and that's, me, what, that's basically what they are. It's also depth. In a year yeah. where depth is going to be the biggest thing in the NHL, I think. Because last year, everyone it, it, it was much more, been. yeah. Last year, everyone was much more careful. There was a lot less cases of COVID outside of a couple teams. This year, it's more spread, especially with the more common Omicron variant. So you've got more people missing games. So depth is going to be a huge thing. And I want to give huge props to the GM there. I actually don't know who it is, but he saw what none of us did. We I all were like ripping him off season. And he has put this team, he realized what his weaknesses were. And he realized he was re- maybe relying a little bit too heavily on some big names like Dougie Hamilton and others. And he was like, we've got our core. We just got to fix his defense. And I think I can do it. And he went out and he did it. Like it wasn't even a multi-year thing. One off season, he went and completely rebuilt that defense. It was like, I'll show you. Okay. So I just looked this up. Their GM is Don Waddle, 63. He's 63 years old. He is in his fourth season as Hurricanes GM. Basically, he came in when he the came Hurricanes in. started. Yeah. 
they, their and, first year was him. So that's yeah. even more so. I didn't even know that. I was just saying this year in particular. He, but looking he at came in and thing, then the way he's turned this team around and it's yeah, phenomenal. He's, he's one of those. He's also one of those GMs that like people don't really. He's not a. When he's not an out about there. It. Yeah. Like I didn't know his like name. Stevie, Stevie <laughs> Y, Stevie Iserman, uh, who ironic, who who's been active. And everyone always thinks about. It. And whenever there's a GM search, which just recently happened, that people always point to like former star players that should like become the GM. I think Nicholas Lidstrom was linked for a while as like, yeah. oh, will he, will he come back as a coach? Will he come back as a GM? Now he's part Brodeur. of sort Martin Brodeur has been yeah. from, he literally went into St. Louis's front mm-hmm. office after retire the day after retiring. Like, yeah. and then, and then you got Don Waddle who I'll, who, I mean, I just looked up his name. I'm going to have to, after this, look up what his, what his background was just because he, I have no he, idea yeah, who this re- man is. Really incredible job. Yeah. I mean, to think about their goaltending last season was, I think it was eh. James Reamer, Peter Mrazek, Alex Nedeljkovic. And I think everyone was really high on Nedeljkovic after the playoffs, but they just traded him away to Detroit and then they revamped their goaltending. Anti- they brought in Antti Ranta from Arizona and they brought in Frederick Anderson. And, and Frederick now, Anderson, and they, one thing, another thing he's is having that great season. People point, look at, um, it was Varlamov last year with the Islanders, right? I believe who had a phenomenal year. And people oh, point yeah. at, people point at older goaltenders and like, oh, let's get a veteran goaltender. Uh, oh, it doesn't work out. It, there are several who have gone places and it hasn't worked out, right? But one key thing is a good team that is missing goaltending will be very good with a veteran, a good older veteran goalie. A bad team that just signs a high-priced veteran goaltender, it doesn't matter. You're a bad team, y- you know? And I think on the note we were talking about earlier with the Vesna Trophy uh, winner is a lot of times teams will bring in a goaltender who had that defense to back them up. I think this is kind of what we're seeing. Uh, we'll kind of get into it, but good goaltenders who are on teams with great defenses, all of a sudden they go to a team with no with no defensive help. They're just overwhelmed by shots. They're overwhelmed by uh, pucks on net. They're not going to yeah. be as good. Goaltending goal tending is a very dependent position. Um, You can have younger stars who make things work or whatever, but goaltending is a very dependent position. You think Andre Vasilevsky on, mm, I don't know, Arizona would be doing anything or <laughs> Seattle? Look by at the what's way, happened to Philip Grubauer that, in I, Seattle. By the way, that, by the way, those two, those two reasons are why I always always hate when people reference wins for a goaltender stat and two uh why i love john gibson i've always i, I always have a slight low key, i'm always like a low-key fan of john gibson and it's like he's always on a team that always it's horrible usually, garbage you always 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 garbage but he's always in that team uh a flo- he like, has, yeah and it's very interesting if you look at some like in previous seasons you look at some of his numbers he'll have like the same goals against average same save percentage of a lot of other goaltenders but we view we don't we don't really view john gibson as a good goaltender or even a great goaltender and you realize why do we not do that it's like oh because it's on the Anaheim Ducks and Ducks aren't really so good. Like all those, all those things. Oh. And it's basically, I mean, now they're good. So now everyone's like, oh, John, why is John Gibson an elite goaltender? And it's like, he always has been. He's just back for a uh, part second chapter of his yeah. career, so I guess. Do you, I, I, you didn't really say, do you agree with the Carolina or do you think someone else is going to take the precedence this year? So, I mean, there are a few teams that stand out or still still stand out really uh, because because of how, how first of all, how, how unusual the season has been. Some teams are coming back. I always, I like to say coming back for season two or coming back for season three just because of the league paused for a while and some teams have had outbreaks that suspended their season or teams have playing in Canada. So basically, long story short, some teams are playing season three or are back for season three. I think they're, so some teams can pile on the wins. I think the Panthers are a team that come to mind as a team that could, uh, I don't think pile on the wins, but a team that can remain as top team in Atlanta. Tampa still is out there. Another, the other team, the 
team really that I think and that has all those had all those games in hand and really been red hot is the Avalanche. And I mean, yeah, and I, they have yeah. they've, they've closed the gap. They are 37 games now. They have closed the gap. They played a lot recently, and they're at 55 points. Um, that that puts them right around four. They are one point ahead of Carolina, but Carolina has one game in hand on them. So yeah, so, I mean, I, I it think might may- come down to Colorado, Carolina. I could see that. I the only reason I guess not to pick Colorado is I mean partially because they did it last year, and I don't really want to pick the same team again. But uh, it's because they're in a they're I mean they're in a weaker division. I was about to say this. Uh, I'll say it for you if you don't want to yeah. say it. Uh, I was actually gonna say the one thing that could hurt the Carolinas Carolinas chances is they haven't played that many division games against the Rangers, Capitals, and Pittsburgh. The other top three teams of the division have pretty much all four of their games left against Carolina. I don't think they've played Wash once. Um, I think they've played Rain Rangers and Pittsburgh once. So they still have a lot of those challenging games, and so that could. Yeah definitely ding them here and there while you go to Colorado. And, 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 Who's Colorado going to play? Minnesota? St. Louis? They already play, they've already played also Minnesota. They've they played their division a few times also. Yeah, so that's like, the other it's thing. Not like they're just getting a lot of games in hand and a lot of them are going to be at home uh, because I think of the way they, they started out some of their season on the road trip. I, I don't I don't know the numbers off the hand, but like they're going to have a normal schedule as in like normal uh, as in uh, they're not going to play a ton of divisional games. They're not going to play like a ton of uh, games. Uh, yeah, Carolina uh, yeah, has around. Carolina has a rough schedule going think, into the back half of the year. So, and also to make things worse for Carolina, I mean, th- this is why I think that also you could see the Capitals potentially slide in to that President's Trophy if they, um, or, or also Panthers and Lightning if one of those, te- or even Toronto if one of those teams because they beat up on those teams. The back end on the back ends of the Atlantic is much. I would say the back end of the Atlantic is weaker than the back ends of the Metro, especially if the Islanders continue. If the Islanders remain competitive for the rest of the season. They're a tough out. There, then the Hurricanes are. Are gonna the hurricanes are gonna have to play that uh gonna have to play them and my apologies uh, carolina has played okay. washington once they played okay. washington once and washington won four to two however in the month of march carolina plays washington three times they play pittsburgh i believe twice um yeah their carolina's march schedule they play washington and pittsburgh in a back-to-back not a home back-to-back in a way home back-to-back washington then Wait, pittsburgh. So they have to like go to pit oh they have to go to pittsburgh or they have to go to washington no they go to Washington. Okay. So that's, and then uh, come least, to Pittsburgh and then, and then come home to play Pittsburgh. Yeah. I then, was thinking that's, that's not, that's not as bad as like going to Pittsburgh. I mean, it's, it's still, it's still then, rough, but yeah, then they play Seattle, Black. but then they go and play Colorado Then they play Philly and Pittsburgh in a home game against Philly. And then a road game against Pittsburgh in a back-to-back. And then they play another back-to-back later that week against Toronto in Toronto and Washington at home. Then they play the Rangers, the following game. Game, Tampa Bay, Dallas, which has been a hard out, St. Louis, and then this is even, this is the worst part of it. At the end of the month of March, they play Washington and Tampa Bay in a back-to-back both on the road. Their March is going to be a gauntlet. If they remain the yeah. number one seed after March, they win it. it I'm is, trying to think of now, like, were they playing the first two months? Of the, were they playing the Devils every every game, or were they playing the Blue Jackets? They played the Blue Jackets a lot. I know that. But, like, who are they playing to, like, get all these? Florida, Columbus. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it is, it is, it is, I guess, a little random in that sense. But yeah, uh, I guess also it's, to consider yeah, consider the just, February games that have just been released. So like, yeah, that's well, they work. actually have a light February compared to some other. Like Washington has a heavy February, like they because they had a couple games, whatever. They got a lot of games put in. Uh, however, Carolina has a rather light February. But here's something I've noticed looking at Carolina's schedule: they have more back to backs than anyone I've seen. I've been looking through schedules since the new schedule release. They have. I I can't imagine.
imagine, I can't imagine the Bruins and Islanders who haven't played a lot of games having not as many back-to-backs, especially since the Islanders, I think, have to play. The Bruins, have, the Bruins have played more games than Carolina. Carolina has the lowest game total. Well, the Bruins the just made up. The Bruins yeah. just made up all their games. Carolina is at 35. I believe 35 is the lowest number of games played. Yeah. Maybe one team is 34. So they play a back-to-back this weekend against the Rangers, the Devils. That's one. Then they play back to get back against New Jersey and San Jose, two. And they play three, four, and then they have like four within March alone. They've got five, six, seven, eight. I guess like all this to say really that like I, we think the hur- we think the Hurricanes, but they have a lot of they could be beat up by their division. Yeah, like and long story short, Hurricanes. The Hurricanes look like the best team in hockey right now. I mean, yes. are the best team to date. We're projecting they look like they'll be the best yes. team at the end of the season. Problem is they're gonna have to make that. They're gonna have to I get, not put their money where the mouth is, but they're gonna have to win those games when it matters. Yeah, and, they're gonna and, have to and, run through a gauntlet, and if they make yeah. it out of that gauntlet. I don't want to see them in the playoffs. I don't think anyone will. If they can manage to make it out of that gauntlet and still be number one, who? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Even even the even the way the East is shaping up with some very good teams in that seven eight seed range. You do, yeah. You do so not like, want to. No one wants to play the Hurricanes. Basically, so like this, a, is, this is my thing. So this is what I I talked about recently in a bunch. Is the playoffs are essentially, in my mind at least, pretty much in the East set. Seeding will change, but the eight teams the in, the, teams. in the playoffs I think are pretty much set. You might say if the Islanders have a huge push, they might break in, yeah. but, but here's the thing. You've got Tampa they need Bay, a team Florida, to drop off, basically. Yeah. Tampa Bay, Florida, Toronto, Boston. I don't see any of them having a huge drop-off. You have the Rangers, Carolina, Washington, Pittsburgh. I, I think those are your eight. You might get yeah. interdivision flip-flopping with Boston having games in hand and Carolina having games in hand, but I think those I think are your that's, eight. That's, but you I guess the, the, only, the only reason the Islanders, I'd say you could see them making up is because they still play the Capitals three times and they play the Rangers three times. They play those teams yeah. and if they And win, they play very close game because they're boring style of hockey. <laughs> they're I, boring. You should not be playing 1970s <laughs> hockey in 2022. I saw this article and it's I was like, the, why does a team play like this in 2022? Just stop it. It's the trots. It's the trots effect of uh, See, they, 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 um, they're basically their offense. It's so much. It, it, it's very funny you mentioned this because when the Islanders are winning, they're like, all right, watchable team. When they're losing and you it's, like, it's, wa- and team, it's exhausting. It's like they it's played Washington. They played Washington and lost. Every that two nothing. You're yeah. talking about two nothing game. It's funny. It's funny how they, they played their style of game in that game. We're kind of getting off topic here, but in that game, they played their style of hockey. It was chip and chase. Couldn't establish an offensive zone presence for either team. And they still lost two nothing, but it's well, like, it's not even that. It's also you watching that game. You're like, Washington should win this game, but the Islanders are so God darn boring and annoying. But here's the funny fr- thing. It's very frustrating because yes. like, yeah, they, they make it hard to like, to, yeah, to bring in the puck into offensive zone to establish an offensive zone. But it's not just Trotz because when Trotz was with Washington, they were a high powered offense. I think it's, they don't really, their, their three biggest stars have like five goals amongst them. Their, their top, what are supposed to be their like top four goal scorers in the last You're like, talking about month the and a half. Yeah, the Islanders, like the month, last their, month and a half have like Their goals. top three goal scorers this season in terms of goals are Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, Oliver Wallstrom. Combined, you're going to love this. They have 29 goals. Yes. Those three skaters. And which I'm not o- even Ovechkin talking about has 27, them. I think. Yeah. And I'm not even talking about them. I'm talking about the other guys that a lot of people think. Uh, Bailey. Um, wow. Bailey, not really any. Bailey used that's to be. That's the thing. Really. Yeah, that's the thing. Some people they were expecting 10, 15 goal seasons from are like one. Two goals. I saw a stat. I guess in that Washington this should really be. It was, it was this just, could be our next, I guess, our next topic of why the island 
Islanders yeah, are struggling. We're, we're going to go is, into we're going to go into I some teams that. that have had odd, odd guess, seasons from our original projection. We can start yeah. with the Islanders here. So yeah, be, I mean because we will, yeah President's Trophy we've definitely discussed that out. But basically, yeah, odd seasons. Let's start with the Islanders then. So they had this to, to to their to be fair to them, they had that 13 game road trip to start the season. Which yeah, that at was the end of that horrible. But at the end of that, I blame you could tell them. They, I mean UBS Arena. They had to build the arena late. So yeah, whatever, I kind 13, of I kind of put it on very, them. It was a yeah. weird road trip where they had to go to Florida twice. They had to go to they had to go out west um to Vegas and Arizona. Then they had to come back and they had like they didn't really play in the eastern they in the in that like Time metropolitan zone. division. They, not eastern. They played in Florida. They played in Carolina. And I think those two games early on, it's funny like think about that. In hindsight, they were like, oh, of course they should lose the Panthers and the Hurricanes are the best teams. <laughs> but part of there are some underlying issues with the Islanders that were that were problems at the beginning of the season. It's an older roster. They are it's one of the older rosters scoring. in the NHL. They, and they're and some of the, some of those guys in the later lines. Josh Bailey plays along the same line as Brock Nelson, Anthony Bovillier. He, that it's him was and, one of him them. Anthony Bovillier, another one who people expected more out of. He's the and frustrating he's one, actually. He's actually the frustrating because he's 24 years old. He's supposed to be one of the young guys that's like supposed to help like kind of help out, help out that because you look at a lot of those guys. You look at Brock Nelson. I think he's 31. Josh Bailey is I think 33. Zizekas Martin, Clutterbuck, that identity line, they're all over 30 now. So you're looking at a lot of these guys, and then uh, this is actually very interesting because depending on who you ask, you either love or hate Char- Zidane Chara. I guess it's depending on the night. He's third. He's in his fourth. So like you're looking at an older team that when it doesn't work, you could see, yeah, this isn't. It's not going to work. And but I mean at the same time, there's there's a lot of reason that there you could count. You, you'd say like, okay, it's they had that weird start. They had the they had the pause in November, late November, because they were the, yeah, one of the early they're not, the outbreak. They're not going to end at eight. I I like they're currently yeah. at eight. I see them also, ending at five in their five in the in metro. The, in the metro. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would see five. The only other thing is if you could see a team dropping off. The qu- the question is how many of those games they still have three against Pittsburgh, three against Washington, three against Carolina, and three against the Rangers. If they win those win a lot of those games, then they're really making ground too. Yeah, if they may if they win a majority of them, yes. But yeah. I think they it's, might it's win a, very, a majority against one or two of them, but I don't think they I, win a majority against all four of them. That's the yeah. Thing. I think between so I think if you're doing quick math, they have like twelve against those top four teams, they have twelve games. Well, three against each, I think. Because I think they played each team. So three, they have twelve games uh there, six and six and six, seven and five. That doesn't really help you as much. They had they'd have to win eight of those yeah. really yeah. eight of those twelve to at really least, gain ground. At, at least. Yeah. You, you would probably say I think, given how far behind they are, they probably yeah. need to win ten. Uh well, I mean, then there's the other part where it's they play the Flyers uh three times, they play the Devils yeah. twice. So the, the, they could really eat up those teams, then you give yourself that extra cushion. But uh yeah, it's it's true. I think it's interesting because in the recent games, they've been they've been winning their recent games, but the question is, can they can they hold up? They're in 99, I think it's in 99 days, or basically round up in a hundred days because the season ends tentatively, it's gonna end in April 29th, I believe, or end of April. It's yeah, supposed to and end, it's end, end of April. April. It's supposed to have a yeah, because it was supposed end. to have the all it was supposed to have the all-star break, but now we're making up this game in February, but tentatively it's supposed to end to end to, at the end of April. The Islanders just have to play games in that stretch for I believe because I think they just play their 32nd game so they still have like yeah. 50 games so can they hold up and especially in, being an older team yeah and I mean they've they've brought in younger guys to their credit to I guess like Trotz or I mean Trotz it's really to Lou Lamoureux's credit because uh his Trotz likes to stick with his veterans so but Rob he's Robin Salo has been playing Noah Dobson has stepped up this season Noah Dobson's actually arguably that they gave the all-star nominee to Pellick but arguably with their best defenseman so it's it's one of those things that it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch down the stretch for this yeah team and they have 
have a lot of whole home games. They do. They have a good chunk of Yeah, because they start out 13 on the road, they get all these games at home and they could really add on those wins at at their new arena, which is... By the uh, way, the team we were talking about who doesn't even have a goal scorer at 16 yet, that's the Islanders. Their highest goal scorer I knew that beforehand. I knew that that before and Nelson leads their team with goals. I said like their top three goal scorers equal uh, have uh, 29 total goals, uh, which which it's true. I mean, they're not... Also, they're not a... They're not going to pile on the goals. They have, I think, 2.2 goals, 2.4. They, they've scored four goals in each of their last two. So four and four, that's uh, against the Flyers. They played consecutive games against the Flyers and they won both. But yeah, like it's going, it's going to be very interesting. I think it's all, the Islanders alone are going to be one of those teams that's going to be interesting to watch down the stretch because they have all those games they have to play. And they're, they're started, they've just started to figure things out. Like they just started to figure out like who could play what position. And then there's the reality they're going to, that they're going to buy in at the deadline, which is just like, even if they don't, shouldn't. You, like, you think they, they're going to buy and not sell? I don't know. I think they brought, will. I, I agree with you, but I think it depends if at the deadline, how far back they are. Well, I mean, they're, they still see themselves competitive. And I think, I think the, I think the big, big picture is, uh, someone said it, uh, which is accurate is that Lou Lamorello is in his eighties. He wants to win a cup. Now he doesn't really want to rebuild. Uh, they're going to try to wire a player. That but might be true. So th- I, there I is that factor, that. but then there's the part that it's like, yeah, like their, their roster is the whole is also like in their thirties. They're not like, they're not really looking to like rebuild trade away players. So yeah, there it's been, it's been a wild season for them. Uh, and yeah, they're just, they're just one of the teams. It, it's, it's been a wild season, like an unusual season. I'm saying wild too much because like, I feel like that's probably, that probably has to then be our next, that might be one of our teams on our list, but, but it's been an unusual year. Yeah. And I want to, a lot of teams have, have yeah. done, have Odd gone seasons. through these seasons. I, yeah. I have, I have two teams that I essentially talk about together when we're talking about weird odd season circumstances. Okay. And those two teams are Vegas and Colorado. And I'll tell you why Vegas and Colorado coming into the season. I think we, I think most people thought they're probably in the top four to win the cup this year. Two out of the top four, most likely to win the cup. I think most people thought they both started off abysmally slow and it wasn't like for a week. It was, it was a while. There was a good yeah. while where both Colorado and Vegas, it was like, what is happening? They have both extremely well rebounded. They are both leading their divisions. I think the West yeah. is overall weaker. So well, the, once they you got like, it's really the Pacific now, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm saying the Western, division, yeah. no, I'm saying the Western conference as oh, a okay, whole yeah. is weaker. Yeah. And so once they got their stuff together, they, they were able to quickly rebound versus if you're in the East, I think you wouldn't maybe had that opportunity to rebound as much. Um, because even the other teams at the tops of those divisions in the top threes, like Los Angeles and Anaheim, we'll get to them. There are another two on my list, another pair, but, um, they, you know, so surpassing them, surpassing for Colorado, Nashville and St. Louis, their biggest competition isn't even Nashville or St. Louis. I think it's Minnesota. Um, so them getting into the top of the division fairly quickly, them both doing it is yeah. what we expect. We expect them to be at the top of their divisions. We expect them to win their but divisions, but it was it weird how they started. It was really, I was super confused. I think for Colorado, you had an aspect of they had, a, uh, McKinnon was out early and you had COVID issue right after that. McKinnon came back and then I think he got COVID like after like three games. They're back. one of the teams that had to like postpone their had to when the league shut down. They were one of the teams that were shut down like a week before base. And uh, yeah, they, it, they, they had a lot of health issues and they had a lot of injury issues. And so once people yeah. started coming back, they fired on all cylinders. Now Vegas is different in how they went wrong. They can't blame it on injuries. There was, they just looked bad early on. They couldn't score. They were getting blown out of the water. Everyone was well, saying, think, Oh my God, you made the wrong choice. You got rid of flurry and look at what it was really, it was 
was really that that was the thing it was uh you had these players who had to step up into bigger roles and then it was like they weren't they weren't doing that at first yeah because you had to have goaltender step uh, robin leonard had to become the starter and at first he wasn't he wasn't and it's it's not even that i think robin leonard is good i don't think robin leonard is flurry i get why they made the decision flurry is older and you didn't want to keep doing this two goalie thing robin leonard is good flurry covered up issues that robin leonard can't cover up and it took them time to figure that out like it took them time to work out those issues is kind of what i felt the early season was and then really to add to that they lost early on in the season alec martinez who was last season their best defenseman like purely on the defensive end of the ice because i mean we talk about two-way defensemen we talk about scoring on the defensive end of the ice their best defenseman like pure defensively block shot just every was alec martinez he went out early in the season and he's that guy that like it's a hard that's a hard piece to replace because shea theodore is talented alex perangelo is talented they're different defensemen and they had to replace that they've done a very good job uh you look at how um Braden McNabb and uh I believe named Nick ha- Nick Nicholas Haig uh or Zach Zach Whitecloud those players really stepped up and became those and are becoming those defensemen on those second pairing that third pairing so yeah they've they're, they're another team and now and they're they figured it out and to be fair well, the Pacific hasn't really the Pacific hasn't really been uh yeah like blowing least, anyone away like at least the Central has somebody you know in Minnesota so I think this nicely transitions into talking about a little bit about the Pacific is yeah. Edmonton is really disappointed this year. Um, yeah. Last year, they were top of their division, I believe, in the Canada division or the Northern division, whatever they called yeah, it. Yeah, the North. Um, Nova Scotia North. Or something. Yeah. I don't think they... it was Nova Scotia. It was just... <laughs> you, I think you just made that up. <laughs> no, Sco- it's, it was it was the Scotia North, but Nova Scotia is just yeah. it's a place. In, it, it's in Canada. <laughs> no, but so everyone expected them to be back this year. And I think some of the issues that came out in the playoffs last year have been magnified even bigger this year yeah of, and of goaltending of defense of well, definitely defense. They're, they're they're one of the they're i think there are only two teams in the nhl that are scoring through over three goals per game but allowing more goals than they score and basically let's say they score 3.2 but then they'll allow 3.3 there are only two in the nhl and this should really speak volumes to how problematic it is for the oilers oilers are one of them they're i think they score 3.2 something and then they allow 3.3 or 3.4 and change uh they're 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 one of them the other one is columbus who scores 3.1 goals per game and then they allow 3.6 that's so, funny because say, columbus is actually they're not good they're not horrid <laughs> but i mean <laughs> they're it, it about really five volumes to columbus. a team to a team you can't count as a contender considering how bad that, that team yeah, is even if they rebound and i think it's likely they rebound and honestly i think there's a good shot they make the playoffs as a wild card or even not as a wild card that will lead to why i i see like we said i think the eight teams in the east are set outside of maybe a shot for the Islanders. In the West, everything's up for grabs, I think, outside of Vegas, Colorado, and Minnesota. I think those I think are the, three teams that we are only like in the central. I think it's more like it's more like you know the either you know three locks, and then you know like three or four teams that it's like, okay, I know they're out, they're out, they're out. As in, like, you'd agree that the Kraken are not gonna, no, not gonna make, not. and then they not. coyote coyotes for sure. Yeah. So here, here's so I mean my, you have you have that middle tier then. You have yeah. this just like a big mess in the but middle. But my only uh, locks, even, my only yeah. locks are Minnesota, Colorado for the West. For the entire Western Conference, my only three locks are Vegas, mm-hmm. Colorado, Minnesota. Minnesota right now is fourth in the in the Central, but they have five or six games in hand on most. So here's the other thing. And I talked about, and this this is the three teams I kind of grouped together in this conversation. Next is Minnesota, Los Angeles, and Anaheim. I think Minnesota is a year ahead of Los Angeles and Anaheim. But here's my yeah. thing. I talked about this last year, uh, especially right after the World Juniors Championship. Half of the players in that World Juniors Championship gold medal game between U.S. and Canada were either prospects for an 
Anaheim or Los Angeles. They have a ridiculous uh, prospect pool and they're young. And so you see spats of brilliance and spats of ineptitude. So I think it's very possible. We, I, I think it's likely one of them. certainly see that with them, the Ducks. Yeah, because, I think it's likely uh, because one misses. I think it's likely one of them misses the playoffs. Right off the bat, I'd say, I mean, well, the Ducks, everyone kind of took notice when, uh, who was it? I think Zegris uh, lobbed the pass the Zegris, behind them. yeah. Yeah, that goal that they scored, it's called, I think it's the Michigan they call it or something. But uh, that's when everyone took notice. But no, they have very young, ta- they have yeah. young, talented players. Same with uh, the Kings. Yeah, they're, and so, same with the Kings. That, and that was Yo, the thing. I mean, and Minnesota, I think, is also very young and talented. I talked, we talked about this last year, where they a year away. And I think we ultimately were like, yeah, they're a year away. They might shock somebody in the playoffs, but they're a year away from being any real consideration. I think this year they're of real consideration in the West. Um, So Calgary here is a big surprise. They right now are fifth in the Pacific, but I'll look at this though. They also have five games in hand. Or they're actually, also, they're about least, to come back for, yeah, at least they're like five just coming back for hand. season three. Yeah. I, I like to say coming season two, season three, they're about because they had the initial cancellation with the rest of the NHL and then they didn't play games in Canada. So yeah, they're also coming back for their season three. And I think, I think Calgary is going to be interesting because they also have like, they have a good defense. They're led by their defense. Yeah. Right. And I well, mean, not even yeah. that also point differential. So that was the thing. Yeah. They were, they were a top of league for a good while and their point of differential is still up there in the top of the league with 22. They have the best point differential in their division um, at 22. Vegas at nine is at 19. They, so they are very much, they are very much, I think, can, uh, capable. And I think if Edmonton can get their stuff together, they might pull off. One of them is going to, I think it's possible that Anaheim falls out of the playoff race. Um, I'd say the Kings get in as, as the fourth team in the Pacific and the Ducks would get snubbed or. So I, I, I think what I think might happen here is Minnesota ends up two in the central. St. Louis ends up three in the central. Nashville ends up four in the central, making a wild card. Then and you the have, jet, if the Jets at five, you you would you would bump them out. Or I, the, I would the, say the Jets miss. are stars. The, ju- okay. the Jets miss, I think. And then what you end up having is I think Vegas one, honestly, Calgary two. Because they're Calgary, even though they're in fifth place, they're only three points behind the Kings who are in second place. 45 and they all, points. all those games to make and they up, have basically. five games in hand. They have five games in yeah. hand against Vegas Kings and seven games in hand against Anaheim. So I, I think they end up number two. I think the Kings probably end up because they have a much better differential. They have a better overall. I think the Kings end up three or four and maybe we get an Edmonton late push. Anaheim might luck out by Edmonton not getting their stuff together. Um, yeah. Maybe San Jose pulls something because they're only one point behind Los Angeles and Anaheim. Um, but I mean, if you want to talk, but I mean, they're one of those teams that talk about underlying issues they just have on both ends of the ice and like it's hard to we talk about people talk are all on the oilers and yeah it, it's harder i see it's harder it's much harder for that to push my opinion yeah just long so story short. anaheim might sneak in as like the eight seed but um yeah so that was my thing these but they're a young team who i think will continue to uh, improve they, these are two teams that were very good in the early 2010s like the 2008 through like 2000 talking about the kings the, the kings in anaheim ducks, right? yeah they were two yeah. great teams for that stretch and, it, the and ducks then it, they the got and, real old and the ducks won the cup in 07 it's just like yeah just and so then, like it's so funny like looking back in history it's like oh yeah the cup yeah it's like I, and, but you know you the red wings were winning all those years they had uh, all the lidstrom years of the dynasty and then you have like devils won three cups with the brodeur years and then it's like oh yeah by the way um edmonton the <laughs> not edmonton anaheim won a year and then the kings the hurricanes won. won the kings won the kings won three uh two and the chicago won three yeah it, it that, yeah it's it funny was the Chicago LA Kings five year span. <laughs> yeah. And but I mean, going
going back to the yeah the 2000s the ducks won it yeah and it, 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 it and it's they interesting got to old. see it. they got old and now they built this amazing prospect capital that yeah. maybe they they have so much prospect capital they might move some of those prospects to prospect uh, poor teams for a layer like i could see the kings making a move at the deadline with some of their even younger prospects because they had they have an embarrassment of riches in prospects right now that i could definitely see them making a bigger move kind of thing with a big prospect um at the deadline and so i think that's good i think it's good when teams are good like that's the thing the better every <laughs> team is the more enjoyable hockey is because you're not I think getting that's kind of the un the, the last takeaway i have from like the season today is the floor of the nhl has got better. the back end i mean there are some teams that of course are trailing off talk about the coyotes uh there are some teams Seattle's the worst are, team in the league by a mile yeah <laughs> but the oh, no they're not the montreal is no i mean i didn't even montreal that. montreal's leading the the tank for shane right but i mean the point my point is is that the floor in the nhl you talk about teams like the red so you talk about teams like the uh like the blue jacks you talk about teams like the devils even in, and going back to the west you have the sharks kings the floor in the nhl dallas like dallas, dallas is pretty stars. good like there yeah. are more people in the middle than there are at the bottom if you look at the yeah. bottom i think you have there's like a bottom five or four yeah. and then it's buffalo like, seattle ottawa arizona montreal which is funny given montreal was just in the stanley cup um, yeah that's probably yes like, there was carrie could... price wasn't there he carried them but that's like an hour that's like an hour conversation that, <laughs> yeah. like, i think, We're not we, gonna I, think I, I think yeah we would need another we need another season basically uh <laughs> for that so i mean yeah any i guess like really to, to wrap up like it, that's my take the floor's got better like big takeaway if you have one takeaway to, i guess wrap this wrap it up like what would so you say I, I i i agree with you the floor's gotten better and it's not even that i would say the floor is i would say the floor has got smaller not better the floor is now five teams where it used to be 10 teams it used to be 10 out of 32 teams or whatever that there was a floor um and i think i think now you've got like five teams where it's yeah if you lose to them it's embarrassing i think everyone else in the league is competitive so you lose to them because it's hockey and you lose games it's not like football or another sport where you have so few games where you're expected to win every game if you're a good team no you lose games losing to any team but those five it's okay unless you get completely humiliated in the game like the middle is much more competitive than i'm used to seeing and i mean we talk about like where these teams really pick are good and it's like yeah there's it's harder it's harder to pick out those teams so i guess uh that's well we definitely uh got a, got a, got a lot covered in this one uh a lot of uh basically uh a whole season which has felt like a few because like i say coming back for season three but uh yeah it's been it's gonna be a great finish to the season or great second half you will uh and uh it's gonna be exciting uh and i guess thank you for uh tuning in uh we hope you enjoyed and uh we'll see you next week uh good night everyone